AviationPros.com is the portal website for AMT, airport business, and ground support worldwide magazines. Visit daily for breaking news, industry blogs, and insightful articles from our magazine's editorial team. And don't forget to sign up for our publication's daily e-newsletters. It's all at AviationPros.com. In this episode of the Aviation Pros Podcast, I'm joined by George Ferguson, Senior Analyst, Aerospace, Defense, and Airlines for Bloomberg Intelligence for a conversation focusing on aviation's recovery. Our conversation touches on the impacts of President Biden's March stimulus package, the current state of aviation, and the factors both driving and hindering the airline's recovery, as well as what impact the President's proposed infrastructure plans may have on said recovery. George, thank you again for joining us today. Um, I'm looking forward to the conversation, and I know our audience is looking forward to hearing your insights on uh, the stimulus measures for aviation and kind of what the future of it all looks like. And with that said, as we record today, we're about a month and a half out from President Biden's uh, original signing of the stimulus that brought some relief to the aviation industry. So just kind of rewinding the clock a bit of what were the immediate impacts of that stimulus bill? Yeah, so, you know, the stimulus bill was really sort of driven along the lines of uh, helping the airlines pay for their employees, right? And so some of the immediate effect is it, it kept a lot more of, you know, pilots and flight um, flight attendants and mechanics on payrolls, which, you know, should help the aviation industry, help the airline business uh, bounce back faster once demand returns, given that it's a you know, a pandemic type, uh, uh, you know, uh, event that's uh, hurt air air travel, air, air travel demand, actually. Um, you know, I'd expect that you could get a, a pretty decent bounce back. In other, in other um, situations, you, know, you might have a economic recession that really crushes demand, never to the degree that we've seen uh, at this, with this pandemic. And, and there's usually, um, you know, hangover sort of effects from that to take some time. Uh, to heal before demand bounces back well. This is probably going to be different given it's a pandemic. And once we get vaccinated, we'll all get out flying. And I think that stimulus bill really sort of helped to, again, keep the uh, employees on the payroll and uh, and help the industry snap back faster. So then when we when we look today, um, what is the current state of the aviation industry from sector to sector? You know, your airlines, your airports, uh, your MROs, for example. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we're starting to see reawakening, let's call it, um, or the reawakening, maybe. <laughs> so, uh, air travel, you know, d- demand is rising. It rose right around spring break um, pretty nicely. And, uh, you know, we're hearing the airlines say that the bookings in the summer season are looking good. Uh, and, and, you know, some of the airlines may actually get back to domestic capacity levels that uh, were as high as 2019, which is the, most recent high watermark, which is which is really positive, um, and you know so so we're seeing that we're seeing that um, restoration of demand. What we haven't seen yet is international and business demand come back. Right, international still uh, struggles from uh, from controls in different countries. Right, different countries are lifting controls or looking for different types of controls at the border to keep from being reinfected. 
and that's really affecting uh, the ability for airlines to conduct uh, long-haul operations. So some of the most lucrative markets in the world, uh, international markets, are like the transatlantic between Europe and the U.S. It's always a big summer market for le- you know, leisure demand. Um, fares are, are higher than domestic, and so profitability is pretty good usually on those uh, routes. You know, we, we see corridors opening up, but we still think that market's going to be quite small for this summer. And that'll hurt the airline's ability to make profits. And we're seeing business demand continue to lag. A lot of businesses are still work from home. They're just sort of getting their head around getting employees to travel again. Um, and so we think, you know, it probably takes once getting past summer flying season, summer vacation season, before you see the business demand start to bounce back, right? Maybe sort of 3Q into the end of the year, 4Q. And that hurts it as well. That takes another source of demand away from the airlines. And so I think the, the sum total of all that means the airlines are seeing demand recover. Some of them are even looking for break-even cash flow in the second quarter and some profitability. Um, but it's not going to be like, like 2019 because fares are still significantly under pressure because without those other sources of demand, the international and the business, uh, there's just a lot of capacity in the marketplace that's running after the same leisure travelers. Uh, and these are usually price sensitive leisure travel. You know, leisure travelers usually are pretty price sensitive, but these are especially price sensitive leisure travelers. We think we have a lot of y- younger flyers out for the first, not, not for the first time, but for in you know, early days of travel, and they're taking advantage of some of the the, um, the cheap fares. And so we're gonna. It's gonna take a while for airlines to really recover uh, strong profitability because of that lack of business and lack of international. And that segues great into my next question of just. You touched on it a little bit. What what does the future look like? Is there going to need to be another um, stimulus measure of sorts uh, in the works? So I think that we probably have seen the last of the stimulus measures unless we encounter another wave, right? And unless we encounter a, a wave of this pandemic where infections rise. I think it's even more dependent on hospitalizations right now, to be honest with you, because it seems like even with an uptick in, in infections, we're still seeing uh, a decent level of demand. Um, so if hospitalizations were to rise, maybe we got a variant or something that we didn't really, a vaccine didn't really catch. You know, so if we were to see that demand to fall away, then I could see us getting another stimulus package. And I think with the airlines, uh, again, potentially reaching cash, let's call it cash neutral, you know, so sort of not using any cash, but not really making any cash. And with so much cash on their balance sheet, I think the federal government's going to decide that they don't need to come in and continue to support the airlines after the last stimulus package. But again, if it were to change, I think you could, you know, if the airlines were to burn more cash and demand were to fall off, I think you would definitely see um, another stimulus package. I think government, especially the Biden administration, has shown their willingness to support the airlines through the downturn. I think it's I think it's sort of fair because one of the measures we're using to defeat the virus is obviously social distancing, and that really hurts the airline and travel industries pretty hard. Um, and so again, I think they've got an appetite to uh, to step in and help if we see continued cash burn. But right now, it looks like we might be at at least the, at at the cusp of turning cash positive. So kind of piggybacking off uh, those thoughts, I've spoken with some in the industry that, well, obviously glad that 
they um, there were fewer airlines than they thought would go bankrupt or go under last year, but but they're kind of worried that that can has just been kicked down the road, so to speak, and that that bankruptcies are still somewhere in the future. Is this um, something we should be concerned about, or is that fear unsounded? I think that might be a little bit. Um, that might be uh, you know maybe some over concern with some people. You know, I think a really interesting part of this uh, the pandemic and the rebound from the pandemic is that we're actually seeing uh, startup airlines and airlines expand, right? And so Breeze is one of the startup airlines that's being started by David Neilman, who helped found, um, who did found uh, JetBlue uh, many, many moons ago, right? So he's going to start an airline that's going to fly to smaller airports and from small airports, point to point uh, flights. Um, so interestingly, we have airlines starting up. They, a number of the low cost, Leisure airlines like Frontier, Spirit Airlines are still taking airplanes. And so they're even expanding their product offerings here because they see this leisure-led uh, you know, rebound and they really want to capture it. They, they want to capture market share. And at the same time, Southwest can't let that happen. So they're going to get close to having flying almost as much capacity as they float in 2019. I think the federal government stepping in as really... Um, it's really short up the airline's finances and probably means that we see no, at least U.S. airlines uh, fail during this downturn. And, and, you know, an additional stimulus was the Fed, which, which was buying corporate debt and uh, really you know, put the bond markets in a position where they just wanted to get as much corporate debt as they could because it would all rally and, and you know, they would make money on it. And they really bought up a lot of airline debt as well. It was backed by airplanes and routes. Um, but they've really put the U.S. airlines in a very strong liquidity position. I suspect they won't all need all the cash they raise, and they'll use some of it to pay down some of the debt they've raised. Um, and so I think that there isn't a, a wave of U.S. airline bankruptcies. In other parts of the world, where the industry hasn't been supported the way it has been in the U.S., where the Federal Reserve isn't buying corporate debt or, the, or their, their central bank isn't buying corporate debt, it's a very different story. And what we've seen globally is it really matters sort of what your your government stimulus was and your you know your government uh, your government support was. And speaking of globally, um, and you touched on it before, it's one of the things still the airlines are struggling with is kind of the the international kind of patchwork of kind of COVID responses. But somewhere, some places still under lockdown or even full quarantine measures. Um, how does the aviation industry kind of square this circle if America is ready to fly again, um, but these areas that airlines normally fly to are still under these COVID-19 measures? Yeah, this is going to be very interesting, right? Because you're seeing, um, you know, vaccine passports be suggested. There are, um, in the U.S., you know, I think we struggle with, uh, you know, with the whole idea that we would force anybody to get a vaccine to travel. And so there's personal rights, uh, you know, personal rights groups that are complaining about that. I think it's going to be hard to turn the U.S. into a, you know, sort of a vaccine passport kind of country. But at the same time, I think there'll be other countries that will absolutely require the vaccine to travel. Like, you know, thinking about Europe is already uh, already attempting to do something like this. And so I see real hodgepodge, uh, you know, going forward. China right now is almost letting nobody in internationally. And, you know, we really see that as, um, you know, we think they're really trying to control any potential risk of the virus being reintroduced to China from outside, because I think they've really used 
a quarantine and control method to keep the virus under you know under wraps inside China. So I, I just think that we're, you're going to continue to see that because the problem is that hodgepodge, uh, you know, put back together of the um, of requirements apply internationally. In Latin America, we're seeing none of that, right? There's the restrictions are very light going to Latin America, and you see the U.S. airlines have added a lot of capacity into Latin America. You know, vacation season, people love to go to the Caribbean or to Mexico and, and things like that. And so I think the U.S. airlines, you know, will follow a similar strategy going forward. They're going to look. They want those markets to open. They'll be working with the Europeans, you know, because that North Atlantic is so important to try to create a homogeneous sort of setup for flight between here and Europe. I think they're going to have a hard time, and I think they're just going to have to manage through the different countries' requirements, right? When they get into the U.K., even easier because they've done a better job of vaccinating, and they appear more open, open air corridor, and there'll be other parts of Europe that may not. Um, uh, but again, I think it's going to be a real big hodgepodge, and I think U.S. airlines will really be working with the governments in those other regions to try to meet this, the needs they have to be to feel secure to allow that um, allow that international travel to start. And I think that's going to keep actually international travel subdued through the end of the year. I really, I really don't think you're going to see uh, anything like 2019 levels of international travel uh, until well into maybe 2022. And earlier you mentioned that part of What's driving the airline's rebound is renewed interest in a leisure travel. And something I've been curious about is just the financial toll that the pandemic took on um, kind of the American populace. When people are able to fly again, it's safe to fly again. Um, financially, will they be able to fly again? And what kind of ripple effects might this have? Yeah, you know, I think we're always trying to figure out what the total effects of all these different things are, right? You've, you've had an economic, for sure you have an economic uh, downturn due to the pandemic. It looks like the U.S. economy is about to bounce back quite strongly. Um, and that would obviously support discretionary income to go fly. Uh, we've seen some, you know, pretty big stimulus packages, which is another thing we haven't talked about yet that, you know, besides sort of the, the Biden uh, support for the airlines, uh, there's also stimulus money that's flowed through the, the U.S. Uh, population, and that money will, uh, you know, may end up going into into vacation. So that supports demand for the airlines. And you know, there are many there are many sectors of the economy um, that have sort of glided through the downturn quite well. Right? They're usually it's higher income. Higher income types have, I think, weathered the storm better because they could work from home better, and haven't seen the hit to the pocketbook. You know, many of them have um, vacation uh, that they, you know, used stored up vacation because they couldn't take it during the pandemic. And that combination is great as well for demand. So I think that I think that you could see uh, a, a definitely a very nice uh, travel bounce back and that large portions of the, of the U.S. populace will be able to afford to fly. And, and, you, and at the same time, you know, fares are by our our. Um, analysis fares you know, could be down 20 percent now as we get these pops around vacation season maybe they're only going to be down sort of 10 or 15 but you know so at the same time fares are on sale and there's good competition so i think that combination means a lot of people in america will be able to to fly is it as many as in 2019 with a very low unemployment rate um and the economy really humming um you know you know it could offer up to the airline industry I tend to think perhaps not, maybe a little bit less. 
just because again there's been dislocations because of this downturn and, and on some some groups quite severe and I think that uh, sort of takes them out of their ability to, to go out and fly but I think it would be I think it's close I think it's you know, we really sort of look at this every day and we're trying to figure out if it's a net positive um, or is it flat or maybe a little bit down. And I think we're still sort of a little bit down, but it's close. And speaking of other um, stimulus measures, and maybe this will actually kind of help our last point is that um, we're on the eve of Biden's 100 days. And he's actually, I believe, speaking to Congress tonight about this proposed infrastructure bill of his. Um, what can we hope to see out of that? And um, what are we likely to see once it's all set and done and passed? Yeah, you know, that's the interesting thing about both of the infrastructures, Bill, right? This is the second sort of wave of the infrastructure bill. And this is supposed to be, um, you know, the um, let's call it the investment in human resources and investment in the American public uh, part of the infrastructure bill. But, you know, I, I do note that in the first infrastructure bill, he built an outline and he pushed it to Congress. And they're in the middle of I guess negotiating it, even if they don't negotiate with the Republicans, they're negotiating it among Democrats about how the whole thing is going to be enforced. So all I'd say, or, you know, what they ultimately want to pass is the right way of saying it. So I would say that no matter what he proposes tonight, I would, you know, I, I would watch it as it gets into Congress because I, I believe it's going to change and potentially quite significantly. You know, like I'm hearing, you know, about, um, uh, you know, a, a, preschool, pushing preschool down to three-year-olds and things like that, and, and you know, child care issues, and again, sort of the softer side of, of, uh, of infrastructure. I think it's hard to totally chart, um, you know, a, a, an absolute sort of line to what that does to airline demand. Clearly, if you're giving paid pre-K to large numbers of the population, or at least the, you know, the population that has kids, that puts more disposable income in their pockets. You know, they're not having to buy that that, that, that pre-K uh, schooling, and you could potentially see more demand. And again, it's a stimulus package, and so like the first infrastructure, you know, portion of this package, uh, both of them combined are a lot of money, um, and they will drive economic activity, uh, probably quite strongly given the size of them if they get passed in the sizes that um, that he's suggesting. And that alone will lift a lot of boats, right? That will uh, drive a lot of economic activity, uh, drive employment, employment drives uh, income and disposable income. And that ought to all be good uh, for the airline business. Ought to all be good. But George, I think those are all the questions I had for you. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? You know, I think that the, um, I think one thing also to bear in mind as we get into this is that, um, you know, we're really looking closely and thinking closely about the return of business travel. And there's a lot of debate about the return of business travel, right? There's some people that say we'll never come back like it was in 2019. Uh, I don't fall in that camp. I think that it will come back. I think we've all learned how to use Zoom uh, and Google Meets and all the other, um, all the other, you know, ways to communicate through our computer face to face. Um, and, I, and so I think for a while, business travel will be a little bit subdued, uh, especially for things that you don't need sort of intense, you know, close relationships. Like, you know, if you've got key customers, you got to just go out and visit them. But in other situations where you may have teams visiting, you know, different offices at a corporation, you may not want to uh, risk sort of bringing infected people into, into different buildings. And you, you see, and you may just settle on, hey, we'll meet once in person and a couple times in Zoom calls. 
But I think in time you'll see that business travel return. But it, I think it's you could see some, you know, a little bit of subduedness to that for for a couple of years here. Corporates, I think, have probably enjoyed better bottom lines because of less business travel, and they'll sort of wean slowly off that. And I think what that means is, as we see the recovery here, you know, you're going to see the airlines that can really drive down costs and deliver the, the lowest ticket prices, or at least differentiate their products so people only pay a little bit more for it. They're going to see them do the best, right? And so that's the low-cost carriers, and I think they're going to be in particularly good shape here. You know, the carriers like Southwest, JetBlue. Uh, Alaska, Spirit, Frontier, Allegiant. And I think that means that the, the bigger carriers, the full service carriers, Delta, American United, they're going to be challenged here because they've got these big hub and spoke networks that are built around business travelers, getting a higher fare out of them, but providing them more frequency. Um, and so you may see airlines all sort of try to morph towards this lower cost model in the, um, you know, in the next year or so, um, you know, as they try to keep costs down uh, and really stay competitive, and I think in a marketplace that again is going to see a lot of competition for leisure travelers. So it's just something we're watching as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Aviation Pros podcast. Be sure to visit aviationpros.com for more stories, breaking news, and expert insight from all around the aviation industry.